Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Here's your host, Bob Bender. Good afternoon, Colorado Springs and Pueblo and Castle Rock and El Paso County. Bob Bender here. Such a joy to come into your home to join you in your car as you're traveling. It is my inestimable joy to be your host every Thursday and Friday from 5 to 6. Appreciate this opportunity to work with Salem Communications. They have a a heart not only for our city but for our nation. We have such great preaching here on 100.7, the word, great music on our other channels. It is just what, what would our city be like? were it not for Salem Communications and their commitment to our area to bring the Word, uh, to bring encouraging music that enriches our lives and encourages us. And I pray this program will do that with you, encourage you, edify you, and who knows, we might just have some entertainment and some enjoyment along the way. Yesterday, God's Word, we engaged out of Job 35, 9, and 10, where Elihu, about the only good friend of of the four, there were the three, and then Elihu comes along later, and he says, but no one says, where is God, my Maker, who gives songs in the night? And we touched on that a little bit, and I want to touch on it again Today, songs in the night, friend, as certain as the sun rose this morning, the night will fall tonight, and as sure as there are days of joy and enlightenment, there are the nights of a discouragement and challenge. But you know, Deuteronomy eleven eleven says, you're about to enter a land of hills and valleys. In other words, mountaintop experiences metaphorically as well as the shadows of the valleys. And guess what? Both drink from the waters of heaven. So I pray we will drink from the waters of heaven in the night times, the dark nights of the soul, as Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who dealt with depression his whole ministry, addressed it, or the night times of our lives, but he gives songs in the night. Job had a song in the night. Though he slay me, I will still worship him. The three Hebrew children had a song in the night as they were cast into the fiery furnace. We believe God's going to deliver us, O king, but if he doesn't, We're not going to worship you. We're going to stay true to God. Paul and Silas had a song in the night. 
literally, while they were, after they were beaten and imprisoned, they sang praises to the Lord. Wow, what faith, what faith. What about you? Do you, do you have a song in the night? Dear friends of ours, Paul and Linda Taylor, last year, lost their three grandsons to murder. An escaped convict, cartel murderer, escaped from a travel bus and murdered their three grandsons, along with those, uh, a nephew, a cousin of these three, and the other grandfather on the other side of their family. What would your song be? They say, our hearts are crushed. We cry all the time. Uh, but our but our hope is still in Jesus. They have a message. In fact, they preached it a couple of Sundays ago at Metro Church in Houston that God still loves us. God is still good. Somehow, some way, God will work all things according to His will and, and purpose. What a testimony! What a testimony! What what is your song in the night? Could I suggest a couple? Our God Reigns. What about that one? That'd be a good one, wouldn't wouldn't it? What about this one? Life isn't fair, but God is faithful and Jesus is Lord. That'd be a good song in the night. What about this one? This too shall pass. That, I think that's one of my favorites. Hey, the night will pass as sure as the sun rises the next day. Will God give us songs in the night times for all of us are either in one or one's headed our way for as sure as the night falls. So thank you. You meet us where we are and help us to be where you want us to be in life's challenges. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's a great segue into our subject matter this evening a very pointed one, pardon the pun, a very uh, problematic one, a very personal one. And I want to talk to you about dealing with life's thorns. Dealing with life's thorns. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and we will engage that passage in a moment, Second Corinthians 12. Have you ever had a thorn? I mean, not not a sticker, but a thorn. I mean, these things hurt. Uh, they are not found on the smooth paths. They're usually found in, in a difficult traver, traversing space. They come upon you suddenly. They're painful. They're slow to heal. Sometimes they leave a scar. In fact, I've still got a place, and I'm looking at it right now. It's a place in my finger. When a, a pencil, it wasn't a thorn, but it was a pencil, punctured my finger in the first grade, and there's still there's still lead under my skin here. It's still kind of a, a scar. Thorns. Uh, we've, I've had my share, I suppose. Uh, my wife's cancer, and eventually overcame it. To look forward to hearing her story, one of these times. One time we had $60 in the bank. I've been falsely accused as a pastor. I've experienced loneliness as a, senior, as a single adult and 
not knowing what was in store for me as a senior adult. One time, Beverly and I were $20,000 in consumer debt and worked our way out of that. We've had, and most of all of us have had parenting issues, relational issues. The, The list could go on. Thorns. You know, the Lord wants it to be all about Him. It's all about you, Jesus. We we sing, and we want it to be all about Jesus. But two of the greatest hindrances to a life all about Jesus is either great prosperity or grave adversity. Great prosperity or grave adversity. That's why David prayed, Lord, deliver me from either one of them. I don't want to have either because I'll forget you. So we're going to address that second today. I'm reminded of the soldier who was learning to parachute, and he was told, you're going to jump out of this plane, and this wire is going to release your main chute in the very unlikely event that your main chute does not open. Then you pull this wire in front of you here, and your secondary chute will open, and there'll be a truck down at the base to meet you, and and will take you back to your barracks. So sure enough, the paratrooper jumped out, and the main chute did not open. So he thought, okay, okay, I'll just pull this wire here. So he pulls the wire, the cord in front of him, so that his secondary chute opens. It didn't open either. He thought to himself, well, wouldn't you know it, and I bet there's not a truck down there to meet me either. (laughs) He was having a bad day. What do we do with the thorns of life? What do we do when these kinds of experiences come our way? Well, we're going to find out in a moment using Paul's example in how to deal with life's thorns. See you in a minute. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The word. Welcome back. We're talking about a thorny issue. How to deal with life's thorns. This was something that Paul experienced. He had a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was giving me a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what it was. It doesn't really matter. It's probably Paul's failing eyesight, but that's not the point. It was a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. I asked the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he said, No, but my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. When we get a thorn in the flesh, when we have problems in life, the first thing Paul had to grapple with, and we as well, is to try to realize the purpose of God in it. Paul is asking, God, what's going on here? To realize the purpose of God in it. Why does God allow sickness in the believer's life? Manly Beasley, a great man of faith, who, by the way, died at an early age of 58, 
but still a, a greatest, one of the greatest men of faith in his era, and what a great, great preacher on faith. But anyway, why does, why does God allow sickness in our lives? There, there are six possibilities or a combination of them. Number one, because of sin. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians, some of you are sick, some of you are asleep because of sin in your life. So when we're debilitated physically, is it because of sin? Maybe. Secondly, so that God would be glorified through healing. Uh, my wife's experienced healing. I've experienced uh, healing. And so praise the Lord. Now, I'm a Southern Baptist, and the Southern Baptist theology of healing is a, a little different. God heals only in answer to Wednesday night prayers, and as long as they're not standing right in front of us when it happens. No, we jest. But anyway, God is glorified through healing. That that happens in Jesus' ministry. It happens today. Thirdly, why do we get sick? Because of satanic attack. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And another reason is because you've broken natural laws. You step off a building and you fall and break your leg, or you broke that natural law and it breaks you. Why does God allow sickness in the believer's life? It could be a cross to bring us to the end of ourselves. And that might be the most common one. A cross to bring us to the end of ourselves. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That just might be your cross. You see, God is glorified in healing. But you know, I think God is glorified in a greater way when people have to deal with chronic issues most of their lives, all of their lives, and still they praise the Lord. Wow, a cross to bring us to ourselves so that it's all about Jesus. And then, naturally, another reason why we get sick is to bring us to heaven. I wonder how the charismaniacs, not the charismatics, I'm half charismatic, the charismaniacs deal with Second Kings thirteen fourteen, and Elisha got sick with the sin with which he was to die. Some of our sicknesses are to take us to heaven. So some insight there into how, why sickness comes into our lives. In Paul's case, it was to reveal his sin. This thorn in the flesh kept me from exalting myself. In other words, Paul was proud of this experience he had with the Lord, and the Lord had to remind him, look, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. Michal, David's wife, got sick, could not bear children because of her negative critical spirit. That was her sin. Paul's was pride. Job's might have been self-sufficiency. David's, of course, was immorality. Are you hearing from God in your situation? Do so the first time around. The mountain or Jesus is again going to take you around the mountain again, trying to deal with your pride, your immorality, your bitterness, your love of money, your bad attitude, or a relationship that needs to be made right. The purpose of God in our thorns is to reveal our sins. Another purpose is to remind us of the real battle. Paul said it was a messenger of Satan we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the powers and the wickedness of this world. Paul was debilitated physically, but distracted spiritually. And it was a messenger of Satan to get him off point. 
You know, the devil's not that creative, just consistent, as he continues to steal, kill, and to destroy. So, are you doing what God's Word tells us to do when under attack from the devil? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. James 4, use the shield of faith, Ephesians 6. Bind the enemy through prayer, Matthew 18, reminding us of the real battle. In fact, in the Old Testament, God said to the people of Israel, Now I've left some enemies here in this land that you're about to conquer so that you will learn battle. We are to learn battle. We are to learn how to fight. And Jeremiah says, if you can't run with the footmen, what are you going to do when the horses come? Jeremiah 12, 5. So let's gear up for battle when thorns come our way. Another purpose, reason, for this thorn in Paul's life and in ours is to reassure us of God's source of supply. Paul asked the Lord three times that he might be delivered from the thorn, and the Lord said, the Scriptures don't say no, but that's what happened. God said no, but you see, God's no is God's yes to a greater purpose. And God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for powers perfected in weakness. This is going to make you weak, but you're going to be strong. My grace is sufficient for you. You're going to make it, Paul, sufficient grace, the desire and ability to do God's will. God's undergirding grace will carry you through. Listen, answer this question or these questions. Which came first, air or lungs? Air did. God created air before he created lungs. Which came first, food or hunger? Food did. Which came first chronologically? Thirst or water? Water did. Which came first, the garden or Adam? The garden did. Which came first? Now think about this one. The first Adam or the second Adam? The second Adam came first, because the second Adam is Jesus. Which came first, sin or Savior? The Savior came first, because he was slain from before the foundation of the world. Here's the deal, friend. God is our Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He's already provided all that you need to deal with your thorn, or to deal with anything for that matter, his source of supply, as is your day, so shall your strength be, in Deuteronomy 33. So, the purpose of God in our thorn, to reveal our sins, to remind us of the real battle, to reassure us of God's source of supply— and to reduce us to weakness, that he might be strong. My power is perfected in your weakness. How many times have we been weak 
But God has been there, our powerful God, because he uses weak men and women to do his great and mighty work. Stay with me and we will find resolution in our thorns. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back. We're talking about a thorny issue. We're talking about dealing with life's thorns. Do you have one today? Are you dealing with one relationally, financially, maybe physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually? Many, maybe in your ministry, isn't going like you want it to be. These are thorns that come our way. This probably won't be the last one, but it's certainly a thorny one. How are we to respond? Paul gives us his example. I love it when principles are fleshed out in living color. Paul says, let's realize the purpose of God in it to reveal our sins, remind us of the real battle, to reassure us of God's source of supply, to reduce us to weakness that his power is perfected in that. Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 9, Let not the rich man glory in his riches, or the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, but let him who glories glory in this. Then he understands and worships me. You see, God does not want flesh on parade. Flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus says in John 15 and John 6. In Jacob's wrestling match with God, he he walked away with a limp, see, the rest of his life to remind him of his weakness and of God's power. Every one of us, dear friend, is walking with a limp, something we're dealing with, the cross we're carrying. But with Simon Peter, we need to affirm, you are the Christ, I am but a man. You see, sometimes we get those mixed up. Peter says, you are the Christ, Matthew 16, I am but a man, Acts Sick, uh, Acts 10. There's nothing worse than an unbroken Christian. But you see, God will vindicate us. He will be compassionate to us when our strength is gone. Deuteronomy 32, 36. We're reduced to weakness so that we're trusting in God, not in ourselves. And then we are refined into saintliness. Paul says, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me so I can be all God wants me to be. Jeremiah 9, 7 says, I will refine my people. God is using heavenly sandpaper to sand down those attitudes, those actions in our lives that get in the way of God using us, and of our being like Jesus. You see, a refiner's 
heats the metal just so hot until all the dross or impurities are burned off. And then when the refiner sees his reflection in the metal, he immediately turns off the heat. You see, God, dear friend, is looking for Jesus being reflected in your life. And when you're in the furnace, he has his hand on the thermostat and his eye on the clock. This is the work of the Lord. So do others see Jesus in you? God will, You see, God will allow people around you to act like the devil, to get the devil out of you. Might be that child, that parent, that coach, that mate, that church member or neighbor, boss, associate, whatever. God will allow people around you to act like the devil, to get the devil out of you. Linda Wilcox, when she heard this message down in Austin, wrote a poem after it and gave it to me later that week. She says, uh, this is a poem to the tune of Heavenly Sunshine, that song we learned as children. This is what she writes. I'm one of God's children, strong in his mercy. When life is darkest, everything's wrong. I'll soar like an eagle, knowing for certain Problems bring answers. Trials make me strong. Heavenly sandpaper, heavenly sandpaper, rounding the corners of this life of mine. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for people and problems that help to refine. Wow, what an attitude, what an attitude. I think I might have mentioned this, but do you know who said what doesn't kill us makes us stronger? What doesn't kill us makes us stronger? Friedrich Nietzsche, the atheistic nihilist. Now, if he can come to that conclusion, certainly as Christ followers, we can as well. So when difficult times come, let's transform the question from why into what now is my relationship to you, Lord. And Lord, what what are you saying? What are you doing? You see, the Lord wants to speak to you because suffering is God's megaphone. I believe that's a quote from C.S. Lewis. So when thorns come our way, realize God has a purpose in it. To reveal your sin, to remind you of the real battle, to reassure you of God's source of supply— to reduce us to weakness that he may be strong, and to refine us into saintliness. So then, how else am I to respond? Would you believe we are to rejoice in the benefits of it? Paul comes to the place of resignation, not only that, but rejoicing. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may dwell in me. You see, Paul's benefits included an experience of God's sufficient grace, more power with Christ, contentment, and his weakness becoming strength. Dear friend, Deuteronomy 23.5 says, I will turn this curse into a blessing. He will give you 
rejoicing for mourning, wholeness for ashes, as we respond and not react when sufferings come. First Peter 1, James 1, these early believers who are suffering tremendous, tremendous persecution. Uh, both James and First Peter said, hey, hey, just rejoice, just see God at work in the midst of this. Isaiah 45.3 says, there are treasures of darkness and hidden wealth in secret places. Yes, there are songs in the night. There are the spoils of battle. You see, this messenger of Satan can become a tool of Jesus. Listen, even the devil can become the Lord's errand boy if you will cooperate with God in your situation. God always makes it up to you. Joseph says in Genesis 50, 20, you meant evil for me, but God meant it for good. What are some benefits we could rejoice in? A closeness to Jesus, brokenness that brings blessing, God's faithfulness, the power of prayer and faith, friendships. Didn't people, I hope, people came alongside of you in your crisis. And by the word, the word crisis in the Chinese language is a combination of two words, danger and opportunity. So which will it be for you? Danger or opportunity of an enlarged ministry of comfort for others, of even a more blessed life? Well, join me as we conclude in how to resolve this issue of the thorny issue of thorns. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back as we conclude our discussion on dealing with life's thorns. We certainly have them, probably will until Jesus comes, and yet God's Word, God's Spirit, God's love, God's grace, even God's people are resources to help us make it through it. Dear friend, we are going to make it. You will make it one way or the other as these situations come your way, as you reflect on your life, the other thorns perhaps that have come your way, haven't you grown more in those challenging times rather than in the good times? I mean, let's be honest. Surely you have. You see, as you were, I call it, being pressed into Jesus. Uh, Jesus is really precious when he's the only thing you have. When we really need him, he's there for us. And so, like Paul, when thorns come our way, translating, retranslating that question, why, Lord, why me, Lord? Don't be asking that. Don't be telling the Lord you don't deserve it. We all know what we deserve, death and hell. Translating that question into what, Lord, are you saying to me? What are you doing? Are you revealing my sins or reminding me of the real battle reassuring me of your source of supply, reducing me to weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me? Or are you refining me into saintliness or a combo plate of these? 
And how then am I to respond? To rejoice in the benefits of it. I will gladly boast, then, Paul says, about this experience. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Benefits. God's all-sufficient grace, power, contentment, his strength in your weakness, and the benefit of, of Christian growth, of strengthening those bones and muscles spiritually. How do we resolve it? Well, we resolve it by resolving to live victoriously through it. Paul is filled then with resolution. I will boast. I will be content. For when I'm weak, I can be strong in him. What's that verse in Psalms? I think it's 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in him, or I will rejoice in him. Sometimes, friend, you have to have a talk with will. (laughs) Have a talk with will. I will rejoice in you. I will glory in this thorn. I will be content, Lord, with the limp you have given me and the cross I get to bear compared to the sufferings, friend, of those believers around the world, the Ukrainians, the others. Come on. Resolve to live victoriously through it. There has no temptation taken you And that word in the Greek means trial as well. There has no trial taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will allow you to go through it and provide a way of escape. And sometimes it's through rather than from. God is with you in it, dear friend. He will provide a way out or a way through, and you're going to make it. Romans 8.37 says, But in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that more than conquerors is one word in the Greek language, hypernikamen. It's where the sports company Nike got its brand. Conquerors, more than conquerors, hypernikamen, become, dear friend, a Nike Christian, a hypernikamen Christian, more than conqueror. What's a more than conqueror? It's conquering on behalf of what Jesus has done. He's the conqueror. We're more than conquerors in him as we allow him to live in and through us. So Paul had to deal with this thorn the rest of his life. How did he do it? Just like Jesus did. Listen. 1 Peter 2.23, While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Friend, just keep entrusting yourself to the one who judges righteously. Now, that righteous judgment, quite frankly, might not come this side of heaven, but it will on the other side. Just keep trusting yourself to him who judges 
righteously. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Keep on trucking. Hang in there with Jesus. Listen, any religion will do in times of prosperity. Just choose one. But only Jesus will do in times of adversity. And with John, in John 6, we say, Lord, to whom shall we go? Only you have words of eternal life. So as you're pressed into Jesus, find out what he's saying. Find out what he's doing. Be a trophy of God's grace and be a messenger through whom your message will bless others as they too experience this same thorn you are experiencing so you can help them as God has helped you, Second Corinthians 1, four. Preaching professor of my seminary, Dr. Jeff Ray, his, his son, 21-year-old son, was murdered in the Fort Worth stockyards, and he was, of course, inconsolable, went into his office at the house for day one, day two, and his wife could not console him. He wouldn't come out. Finally, I think it was toward the end of the second day, he came out with a, a piece of paper in his hand. He had written a poem. It's called I'll Never Let Go by Dr. Jeff Ray. I want to let go, but I won't let go. There are battles to fight by day and by night for God on the right, and I'll never let go. Oh, Lord, I want to let go, but I won't let go. I'm sick, tis true, worried and blue and worn through and through, but I won't let go. I want to let go, but I won't let go. I will never yield what lie down on the field and surrender my shield. No, I'll never let go. I want to let go, but I won't let go. May this be my song, mid legions of wrong. O God, keep me strong that I may never let go. Oh, yes, there are temptations. To let go. To cash in your chips. Throw up your hands. But, oh, dear friend, you're pressed into Jesus. God is at work. Amy Carmichael writes, Have you no scar, no hidden scar on side or hand? I hear... You sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail your bright and ascendant star. Has thou no scar? Have you no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archer, spent and leaned against a tree to die, and rent by ravenous beasts that encompassed me. I swooned. Hast thou no wound, no wound, no scar? Yes, as the master shall the servant be. And pierced are the feet that followed me. But thine are whole. Can he have followed far? who has no wound, no scar. Yes, thorns sometimes leave scars, but scars lead to stars, and the thorn room is as necessary, a necessary step on the way to the throne room. Well, God bless you. God love you. Hope I've helped. Have a great weekend dealing with life's thorns. Point seven. The word.